Okay, welcome to a slightly altered version, hopefully going forward, of our uh, weekly podcast. Probably acknowledging the fact that for most of the last nine months, we probably haven't been able to get to a weekly schedule. So we're going to trial uh, what we're calling a Monday micro. So going to be 20, 25 minutes. We're going to try and cover off anything that was relevant from last week's golf, uh, this week ahead, or anything that's been in the news. Uh, and the discipline for us will be to try and shut me up and uh, get through it in 20, 20 or so minutes. Really off to a cracking start, though, given that our Monday micro is taking place on a Tuesday, thanks to Ian. And we're, we're down we're down a man after Mr Sadler uh, got rained on today up at the Scottish Young Pros at Creefs, feeling a little bit under the weather. So, Ian, Scottish Young Pros, you must have played in that a few times in the past. I, I did, to reasonable success. I actually finished top five twice, I believe, um, to Mr David... Patrick winning both times up at West Lothian. Um, yeah, one of the rare of events I actually had. A, I actually think I had to get suited and booted at least once, which was quite impressive wow. for me. Jeez, uh, doesn't happen very often in your golfing career. No, it certainly doesn't. Grief's a good venue, though. I like Grief. Um, not sure who won the tournament, actually, but no, good tournament uh, and brings back some fond memories. Good. Not many, uh, <clears throat> not many for you to recall though. So I'd imagine it must stick out quite a bit. So it does, we, yes, absolutely. Thank you. But by default, we could kick off. I think with the open uh, final qualifying on the basis that had been recorded last night, we wouldn't have been talking about it at all. But uh, four venues in play today. Uh, we have nineteen slots available, and as we record right now, I think the last slot has just been secured by playoff. If we go through it. <clears throat> Some big names in it, none more so than Mr. Sergio Garcia, who was vying to take part in his 26th Open in a row, having already gone through final qualifying for the US Open. Sergio looks like he came up, I think, three shots shy. Les Lanks, I think, was he alongside Matt Wallace, who actually won uh, 11 under. Uh, Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace. So, yes, Sergio doesn't make... The Open Championship. Disappointed for him. That must be one of the longest streaks in golf. And I would love to know if anyone has ever went to US Open and Open qualified and back-to-back um, qualifying events and, and done it. It just shows you how hard it is. I mean, you're talking, you know, world-class players that are, that are having to grind to try and find places in these events. And you know, even look at the field at Dundonald this week. Uh, well, the last couple of days, Jason Cockrack, Aaron Rye, um, Cabrera Bello. You know. 15 minutes of fame, man, Michael Block. Yeah, with that crowd. I followed him. No, I mean, Jesus. I mean, when are we going to start forgetting about this guy? Uh. <laughs> yeah, so just to, to cover that off, he was playing at Dundonald, which only had four places up for grabs. All the others had five. So he was... Does that te- mean Sergio get a, mm-hmm. get a reserve place? Was uh, that Michael Stewart winning seven under, uh, outright qualifier. Marco Penge... And then there was three of them in a three for two playoff. Then you had uh, Royal Sink Ports, which was dominated by the South Africans, Martin Rohr, and then uh, Thomas Dietrich, Charles Swartzel, and Brandon Grace, along with Antoine Rosner, taking uh, the five spots there. Down in Wales, Royal Port Call, you had Laurie Cantor coming out on top with uh, Matthew Southgate. And I don't know, there must have been a playoff there as well. Uh, no, five places. So Oliver Farr, Jazz, Jane, Watanon, 
Watanonon. Brandon, exactly, that rolls off the tongue. Jazz Jane Watanond uh, was in there. And then the final one, obviously, being the one we spoke about, which sees Tiger Christensen. So Tiger will be at the Open. The big cat is in the field. He's there. Alex Fitzpatrick, Matthew Jordan, Matt Wallace, and Kyle Barker. That's, um, yeah, you'll some of the names you're rolling off there is, is frightening that they haven't got to qualify. You know, major champions, Schwarzler, as you said. I mean, well, I mean, West, West Lanks had Garcia, Graham McDowell, uh, Jamie Donaldson, Matt's, uh, I've mentioned Matt Wallace. Uh, absolutely frightening. I'll be make sure that I keep my 150 quid entry fee in my pocket for the years <laughs> coming ahead. Yeah, and uh, like you said, uh, Jason Kokrak uh, decided that uh, his nine over opening round didn't merit coming back uh, no, for that's, a second that's round. Lovely uh, WD there after round one. So he'll be off down the Centurion, I think, just to relax tonight. Uh, okay, yep, open two weeks away, and uh, I think. The European tour actually this week though was over at the Maiden Himmerland, which um I guess must be thrown out a couple of spots. And just keeping with the open championship qualifiers, Callum Hill think just narrowly losing out on a slot at the Belfry at the weekend. They're finishing uh, just behind Ollie Wilson in the end. And I think one of the three spots that was available there, sadly, he wasn't able to secure. It's a tough old game getting into the open. But yes. let's move. PGA Tour. Uh, we're going to rattle through this. Ricky is back. His sixth win of his career. Only his second win in four years since he won at the Waste Management in 2019. Not a prolific winner, but we spoke about him the last time. He seems to be a much-changed man. Yeah, I think probably like everyone, it's great to see Ricky playing some good golf again. He's definitely one of the, still the characters of the game. You know, fun to watch. Uh, we can definitely whiz through the PGA Tour one because by the time I settled down on Sunday night to go watch it, um, he'd actually won because all the tee times had moved forward. Oh, so forward, I yeah. never actually seen any of it and had to settle down to watch a bit of Love Island. So, Oh, yeah. A close second, uh, I'm sure. Uh, apart from uh, Amazing to see the guy win, especially from probably having, the, again, massive disappointment from probably his display in the, the last round of the, the US Open to then bounce back. Um two weeks later and coming out and won a tour event I really ballsy playing some seriously good golf and you know his, his record round links golf you certainly wouldn't rule him out in a couple of weeks time so certainly no. to be in contention anyway uh, but no nice to nice to see our boy Ricky back and the playoff win as well for him he has had have a guess how many of his six PGA Tour wins have been in playoffs oh I'm going to say three he has he's had 50% three. of Fifty percent of his wins have been in playoffs, and uh, I think he's got a three and five uh, playoff record. But yeah, quite a good return. And he was in that with Adam Hadwin and another guy who's struggled really, Colin Morikawa. Yeah, Morikawa's. Uh, he's one of those um, you know won a couple of majors very quickly. Kind of fell off the wayside the last probably year or two. I think he did have a, a couple of injuries. I don't know if it was a wrist injury or something. Um, not one of the longest hitters out there. I don't know if that kind of affected him or not. I'm not really too sure, but uh, yeah, past Open Championship winner. So coming back in a couple of weeks' time, it shall be interesting to see you finding a bit of form again hitting the, hitting the, hitting the Open. But yeah, I, like, unfortunately, I have zero to add to this because I missed the whole last round because the PGA Tour moved the 
tea times for. No, I, to be fair, I didn't actually catch anything either. On the certainly on the Sunday, I caught a wee bit <clears throat> uh, Saturday, but um, yeah, moving it forward for the US Seniors Open, which takes us on to another man who's um, got the machine record. I mean, we spoke about Sergio's open record, but Bernard Langer has just continues to dominate the men's seniors game at the age of 65. I mean, it's, it's quite incredible. And the man's be... a freak. <laughs> the man is an absolute freak, but it still begs the question, is he cheating? Because there's so much anchoring oh, going on that it's yeah. frightening. However, we'll put that aside tonight. Um, amazing achievement. I think he now surpasses Hale Irwin as most senior Wins, I think it's what forty-five wins or did, something. Did he not pass up? Crazy, or did he equal Haler win? Was he equal to? Because he's on his forty-sixth seniors win. I thought he, I thought he'd edged Haler win in his last win last right. year, but um, he's now on his twelfth major uh, as a senior. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, he is the epitome of you know looking after yourself, you know, staying fit. I mean, it wasn't that long ago he was competing in the Masters. You know, one of the longest courses at play. Mm. Um, no, he's a, a credit to to European golf, and you know the, you would you wouldn't doubt him to continue to certainly compete at that level probably for the next three or four years, probably late sixties. Well, I mean, he he beat Steve Stricker by two shots, and that was with him faltering. You could say with a a bogey, bogey, bogey finish. It was uh, four under for the the round, standing on the sixteenth tee, and finished with three bogeys, but still won by two. He must be given Steve Stricker at least twelve years. I'd imagine. I can't imagine Stricker's been the seniors much more than two years, maybe. No, I can't believe twelve senior majors. Hmm. Quite Aye. incredible. And and have a guess at his uh, driving distance average. Average, I'm going to go for the big German, 247. 251.8. far away. But I tell you what, it doesn't miss many fairways. And near 90% driving accuracy. No, that's it. If you can stand there and hit driver 250 and not miss a fairway every time. Um, and again, those courses are probably playing a 6.5 to 7,000. Nothing obscene, so... No, amazing, absolutely amazing. It probably doesn't get the the credit or the the highlights that it probably deserves. Um, but an amazing achievement, absolutely yeah. amazing. And a couple of other names that are quite. I mean, I do like looking at seniors. Like, and I think we spoke about Podrick having a a, a, a renaissance uh, of late. But uh, KJ Choi, Y E Yang, uh, all up there. Retief Goosen, uh, Retief, uh, Jerry Kelly, Steve Stricker. I mean, it's yeah. There's still a bit of competition in that field, that's for sure. No, I. Those boys still want to win. Still playing for decent money. And uh, talking of majors, again, still on that subject, the ladies were now going to have their second major in two yeah. weeks, which <clears throat> hotly on the back of the women's PGA, which was won by Chinese uh, golfer Ruying Yin, or as she's known, Ronnie. Um uh-huh. Second, uh, second winner from China to win the, the women's major. China quite clearly putting all efforts into sport globally everywhere. Are we uh, are we about to see as Chinese dominate the game of golf for the women's game the way the, the South Koreans did maybe 10, 15 years ago? Because there's now a few of them kicking up there. Well, I was going to say, I mean, the, the you know, ladies' dominance or that kind of Asian dominance in the ladies' game has been around for the last, you know, over a decade, as you said. 
Absolutely, they're obviously a very disciplined, um, you know, group. That they swing the golf club incredibly well, every one of them. And it'll be very interesting to see them do battle around Pebble this week. You know, they often talk about Pebble now being too short for the men's game. I think it'll be a tremendous, be a tremendous kind of challenge. I think for the ladies, uh, you know, probably America's most iconic, you know, as they call it, like uh, links course. But I think it'll be amazing to watch. I really do. I don't know where I'm trying to go with this one. I think there'll be 10 to 15 people com- competing come Sunday night. Well, I think it always provides a good winner, Pebble Beach. And I think because it's not stupidly long, it's not going to be, you know, everyone knows the golf course when they turn it on. Yeah, I think it's the first time they've obviously been there for a ladies' open. It's it's a it'll be a good, very good one to watch. You make a point there about ten or fifteen players being up there on Sunday. I was going to ask this question anyway. Uh you've got one shot win at the weekend uh, two weeks ago. You've got a playoff that uh, Lily of you took at the Chevron. You got a playoff for the Women's Open. Last year's PGA was three or four of them fighting it out. US Women's Open probably had is probably as far back as you need to go. I think Minji Lee won that with quite a little bit of a lead in the end, four strokes. By and large, women's majors are very, very closely contested. And you have all the things that Pood's complaints has been lacking in the men's game, which is seven or eight people that could win in the final day, and certainly three or four going into the back nine that are in with a shout. What is it about the women's game that creates that? The very good question. I think because it's maybe totally wrong here, but the ladies' game's not dominated by power. You know, power helps. Um, you know, you're not going to see too many of the ladies going out this week and overpowering Pebble, or you know, as like we say, the men's game. You looked at when DeChambeau when it winged through. You know, everyone was talking about how he had to irons off the tee to keep it in fairways. He was just as far as he can because he was that strong. He could just wedge on, you know, wedge on the greens. You won't see that in the ladies' game. They're all very good iron players, you know, hybrid players. I think it creates more of a, a bunched kind of leaderboard. Um, and I say around that golf course not being overly long, I think it will be exciting. I can't actually answer your question of why it is always so bunched, but I, I'd probably think it is down to, to power not being the dominant force within the, the ladies' game. We'll, uh, we'll save that question for the next time we have Becky on, because uh, there'll be nobody better qualified to answer that question than her. Absolutely. Do you know, it's a, a great question to ask her. And I can't actually answer the question. I've not I've not probably watched enough or, or seen it live to comment on it. But let's say for me, power. You're not going to overpower the golf course. Um, and it brings in probably more of the field. It got me thinking. Uh, I was looking at it last weekend, actually, as, as we were obviously planning to record last Monday, and it was going to be one of the topics we were going to cover in a bit more detail. But um, just on the other, uh, elsewhere in the women's game, over in the, the Ladies' European Tour, they were in Finland this week. And as I mentioned already, Becky Broughton uh, making the cut two weeks in a row now. I think she had a wee bit of a bit of a slump, but good to see her starting to make some cuts and, and pulling up some leaderboards, hopefully in the next few weeks, uh, and we'll hopefully get her back on very shortly, because with a bit of luck, she'll be in the Scottish Open for the ladies in a couple of weeks' time over on uh, I think it's at Dundonald, actually, again, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I think it's <clears> back at <throat> Dundonald. 
So uh, last thing I was going to bring up, and we'll, we'll, we'll use this pod to be a brief overview of different points, and we're going to, for, for going forward, we're going to bring Puds in monthly to get the hard-hitting subject. So we'll, 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 we'll park aside just now in the the questions maybe around some of the the more political aspects of golf, which we know Puds is Nothing. not short of an opinion on. And, the good uh, stuff like Monaghan and Love and, you know... Exactly. But I do, it is, I think, this weekend, Live Golf at Centurion, a year on from that controversial start. I thought it would be an interesting point in which to consider where you, me, and anybody else for that matter, thinks that that's, that tour has gone in 12 months. It's very interesting because you're seeing so many different questions being asked now after the whole, you know, collaboration or NUCO or whatever the hell they want to call it. Monaghan's now off, I'm guessing, with stress. I hope it's nothing, you know, other illness-wise. The PGA Tour keeps saying they're calling and be calling the shots with it. And then the Love guys this week are saying, you know, the Saudi boys telling them everything's going full steam ahead. We've just sounded out Valderrama for five years. No one knows what the hell's going on. So... <sighs> Liv's a funny one because if this guy wants to keep pumping the money in, it's going to keep going. They're obviously not going to make money because they've no TV coverage. Um, however, he's, you know, that is a bottomless pit. So I, I quite like the format. I think it belongs within a tour. The quality of field they have, again, looking at the, you know, talking leaderboards last week at Valderrama, uh, you know, Still some of the best golfers in the world competing around, arguably around one of the best golf courses in, in mainland Europe. So as a tour, quality venues, quality players, they're in a much better position than they were 12 months ago. Um, but a couple of things, I mean, if you think of where they were 12 months ago, they didn't even have, I mean, it wasn't even clear that Phil Mickelson was there. There was a lot of people came after it. It was a very much like, what's the touring going to be like, a car crash? Forgetting all the politics, whether you like it or not, they've created something. It's whether it's got the commercial interest. I think that's where they've really struggled is to get the cut through in terms of viewers and interest. However, there's no doubt, like you said, the the owners of Live Golf, they're not going to let that die. I think it's very clear it means something to them. And quite probably, like you said, it probably lives within a tour. And I suspect that there'll be some kind of remodeling attempt to incorporate this within the new look world of golf. Um but I had a I'd listened to an interesting piece from Graham McDowell, uh, and he was on the Bunker podcast, uh, I think, into last week, and he made reference to the point. I think we've covered it as well. Is that golf-starved markets, Australia, possibly some of the Asian countries that maybe don't get the PGA Tour there anymore, have really shown an energy and an enthusiasm for it. I think we mentioned before, like that's going to be the niche building teams of like the South Africans, like the Australians that go out there representing their, their country almost in that marketplace and draws attention and draws sponsorship. I'd be intrigued to see if that's the route it continues to go down because it's the only way it can survive in its current model. Well, Asian tours, obviously, the, the affiliation of how they qualify onto it, the international series within that is now growing. I mean, you look at the field that's even going up to the Fairmont and a month or so's time, he's just had likes of Garcia signing up for it. These, these guys are now after world ranking points. Um, it's arguably more in a healthy and more positive um, state than our own European tour, which is now 
just, I mean, you look at the field at the Belfry, take Justin Rose out of that field, you're going, who the hell's there? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it, it's bananas. Like, I mean, I, I mean, again, kind of go off subject, live, yes, I think they're, they're in a positive frame. Um, they're a lot more positive in terms of player-wise and coverage-wise than they were 12 months ago, to answer your question. Um, it has to get within a tour. And I think this remodeling will be, you know, probably go on for the next one to two years to even try and attempt to come up with some kind of coverage. And I imagine some live players starting to get back on the PGA Tour starts if required, blah, blah, blah. Messy, but... Well, we'll keep that for a more in-depth conversation with Poots, including the uh, supposed release documents, which included Tiger's talking points that were pre uh, preemptively written for him that he's came out and denied. Uh, okay, before we wrap up, a uh, quick summary. So the men are at men's European tour are over at the Maiden Himmerland, which I think was where Ollie Wilson uh, won last year. He did. Uh, not long Again, after we'd spoke to him. Yeah, <laughs> um, Shown a bit of form uh, at the yeah. Belfry. Yep. Uh, disappointed in fact they didn't see over the line given they had a 54 hole lead uh, ladies uh, European Tour week off they are back in action at the Aramco series at the Centurion the week after the Live guys are there this week and the PGA Tour is at the uh, long-suffering John Deere which uh, never quite gets the premier field given that most of the big boys are on a flight or taking a week off ready to, to hit the links of uh, Scotland and then England this week so yeah, we'll see where we where we get to next week. Might give us another go, hopefully, Huggy. Unless you've got anything else you'd like to add, we're going to try and stick to our micropod discipline, and we're going to close out our first attempt. Well, I have anything else to add? That is a very, very good question, and the likelihood is is Taylor Gooch the hottest <laughs> man in golf right now? <laughs> that doesn't that's want the to... question. It's a good closing question. That's that's all I've got. Good. Let's wrap it there. Thank you all, and we'll see you again soon. Bye bye. 